UC Board of Regents is set to meet again today on UCLA's move to the Big Ten. Hopefully we'll learn something. You are locked on Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Tuned in to Locked On Big Ten alongside Trent Condon of Locked On Hawkeyes. I'm Nate Dickinson. We're going to talk a little bit of Iowa football as the Hawkeyes get themselves a quarterback from the Big Ten in the transfer portal in Cade McNamara. Trent, let's start off right there. This guy, at least on paper, is already maybe better than what Iowa's seen in recent years. What's your take on what he brings to this offense? Uh, there's no doubt about it. The last three years of Spencer Petras, it has been a, a lot of disappointment and. Obviously, we saw this season, it, it just completely cratered just five touchdowns all season long. He, he was the starter for a majority of the season. It just, he struggled. And, and people say, well, it's the Iowa offense. The Iowa offense is bad. Remember, there was a three-year starter right before him, Nate Stanley, who threw for 68 touchdowns over his three-year career. So that shows you just how bad of a quarterback Spencer Petras is. And to get somebody the caliber, caliber of McNamara, a guy that won a Big Ten championship, took Michigan, obviously, to the college football playoff. And then on top of it, you just continue to hear so many positive things from the Michigan fan base, from people that have covered him and what a leader he is. It is something that absolutely is necessary for this Iowa program. And yes, we want to see changes. We want to see an evolution of the offense and, and obviously get better than what we've seen certainly over the last two years. But getting a guy the caliber of McNamara is going to be a big step going forward and a guy that maybe might be the most accurate quarterback that Iowa's had in the Kirk Ferentz tenure. So what caliber do you put this guy at right now? Hasn't played a snap yet, but when you look at this offense, I mean, I agree. He's better than what I was had in recent memory, but at the same time, I don't know if I believe in him to be able to make an Iowa offense something more. It's still Iowa's offense. Well, as I mentioned, the quarterback before was able to put up numbers and put up plays, and because of that, that is the hope that you're going to be able to get more out of this offense. The defense is going to be outstanding. The special teams have obviously been great, and because of those two factors, an elite-level defense, good special teams, even if the offense becomes competent. Look, nobody's out there from an Iowa perspective expecting them you know, to be some top 25 offense nationally. All people are really looking for is being the top half of college football, being the top 65. And if you can do that for as good as the defense has been, as good as the special teams are, you really have something here. Iowa has had their best run in terms of victories over the last five years in their history. Now, they're playing more games. I understand that part of it. But Hayden Fry, with all the great teams he had, he has never had a five-year run like Iowa has just had. And now you couple it with a competent offense, you really have something here. And that is the excitement. Now, Cade McNamara, he needs help. It can't just be him. He needs wide receivers. Probably needs another tight end. You hope Eric All comes with him from Michigan. And he's able to go out there and help recruit some more guys, especially at that wide receiver position, to help him out. But that is at least the hope right now. There needs to be more factors that go into it. but. The excitement of Cade McNamara Tuesday night when he made that commitment. It's as exciting as I've seen an Iowa fan base for the football side of things in a really long time, just about the possibilities of being at least okay offensively. So what do you think the possibilities are as far as strategy goes? I mean, is there a possibility that Kirk Ferentz all of a sudden becomes a pass-heavy offense kind of guy? No. I mean, to, to be very frank, that's not going to happen. It's going to be complimentary football. This is going to be a team that is built on the run, but... 
look at Michigan, what they've done the last two years. This is not a team that is airing it out. They're not out there throwing it 40 times a game when they won big back-to-back Big Ten championships. It is going to be starting with the run. Now, what I would like to see is more evolution out of that run game. He is married to the zone blocking scheme. It is something that he did dating back to his days in the NFL and, of course, through his 24 years at Iowa. That is going to be the baseline. They're going to do zone blocking up front. You have to have an offensive line that's counted. You have to have an offensive line that works together. More experience coming in next year. A lot of young guys played four sophomores this year along that offensive line. You anticipate some steps forward. And then you add a five-star offensive lineman and Caden Proctor to the mix at right tackle, left tackle, wherever he ends up. I think that's where the excitement goes with it. Running back Caleb Johnson, he looked great this year. In his freshman campaign, he was really the only game breaker that they had. So you have the run component there. I think they need to use some more jet sweep motion. Iowa was their most successful this year when they had that jet sweep motion and just giving something different. Cut blocking rules have changed, and that has at least negated some of the positives of zone blocking. But you need to see an evolution. And that could lead to the question, well, is it going to be with Brian Ferentz, his son as the offensive coordinator? Personally, I think that is untenable. I don't think that you can bring him back, not only as an offensive coordinator. There's a lot of people out there that want him to remain on staff as an offensive line coach, something that he's been very good in the past. I am not of that thinking. Unfortunately, it is Kirk Ferris making that decision, and the realistic scenario, he's not going to fire his son. Is he going to hopefully take another job, go back to the NFL, and Brian, that would be the hope, and it makes kind of an easy divorce that would happen there. That is the hope. Will it happen on Kirk's doing himself, though? Absolutely. So what happens there? Trent Condon with Locked on Hawkeyes joining us. We've talked or we've heard already from this staff that there's going to be some sort of evaluation of how things are being run with this team. What does that mean exactly? It's not the first time we've heard Kirk Ferentz talk about something like that. But what exactly happens there? Let's say if it's not Brian Ferentz leaving this team, who's on the chopping block here? Who's got the hot seat? Well, that's a difficult question because, first of all, Kirk Ferentz doesn't make moves right after the season. He waits till the season comes to a close, and since they have a bowl game, it won't be until January that we'll hear anything on that front. You know, if Brian leaves, it, I think there's a very easy way that they would go. John Budmeyer, who came in, former Wisconsin quarterback, he was a quarterback coach for the Badgers for a long time at Colorado State a season ago before he made his way to Iowa City this year in a consulting role. He has play-calling experience. He can kind of keep it in-house and go that direction. It's not the way that I would personally go, but that's kind of the easy way it would go if there is some kind of movement. A lot of people think that maybe George Barnett, the offensive line coach, he could be on the chopping block just two years in, and the offensive line has not been very good uh, during his two seasons. Kirk has said nothing but positive things about him too. So it's going to be ugly if there aren't any moves after the bowl game. And that's what I think people are waiting for if it gets to that point. Because last spring, remember, Iowa got to the Big Ten championship game against Michigan a year ago. It was bad offensively. Yet they said, we're going to bet on ourselves. They did. And they absolutely went for broke this year. It went from bad to worse this season. If they go back a third time and say, we're just going to bet on ourselves again, there's going to be a lot of upset people inside this fan base. A lot of people that say, you just can't do that. But that's where we are right now. It's Kirk. He has made changes before. He has looked under the hood and changed things. But to think you're going to see wholesale changes, you're going to have a guy like Josh Gaddis come in and he's just going to hand over the offense and say, do whatever you do. It's just not a likely scenario. Kirk Ferentz is rooted in his ways and with good reason. Been there a while over there at Iowa. Trent Condon with Locked on Hawkeyes joining us for a segment here to break things down with what's going on there at the front office with the Hawkeyes. Uh, Before we let you go, Trent, uh, 
tough overtime loss over the weekend to Wisconsin on the basketball court. Are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, a real tough one there, and Iowa battled back. They got off to a real slow start, which you'd anticipate coming off the week that they had, Tuesday late night against Madison Square Garden uh, against Duke, and then the rivalry game against Iowa State on Thursday. Wasn't a surprise that they came out a little bit cold early in that game against Wisconsin, but they get the lead in the second half about halfway through. They're up six, 48-42, and the Badgers just had a response every single time. It was more than anything I walked away impressed by Wisconsin. Iowa got up. Five different times in overtime, every single time down the floor the next time, Wisconsin responded with a made bucket. It was more Wisconsin making plays. And, you know, Iowa, it stings. You're now 0-1 in the Big Ten. Your next two Big Ten games are going to be on the road at Nebraska, at Penn State, when they get back at the end of December into January with that. But playing without Aaron Eulis, your starting point guard, playing without Chris Murray, your best player, to be that close, you could have had that game. Both McCaffrey boys, they played incredibly well in that one. It's frustrating to be 0-1, but... More than anything about this Iowa team right now, it's about getting healthy. Try to get Chris Murray back, working his way through plantar fasciitis. We know he's the best player on the team, an All-American candidate. Getting him healthy, getting Euless healthy. Tony Perkins, who played well, he's been banged up all season long. You got two easy games in front of you, two tomato cans here. But Southeast Missouri State, Eastern Illinois, even if it's sitting guys out, you hope that you're going to be able to beat both those teams and get ready for big and play. If they can get healthy, this team has a chance to be really, really good Better defensively than a lot of McCaffrey teams, you know, offensively, they're going to be good every single year. Frustrating loss, no doubt, but more than anything, it was about Wisconsin making plays in that. Hawkeyes had gotten some momentum going with everyone out there on the court, trying to get everyone back out there to try and keep that going. Trent Condon's going to have that covered and everything else that you need to know about Iowa sports over on Locked On Hawkeyes every single day of the week. And, of course, he'll be back here on Locked On Big Ten to break down whenever the Iowa Hawkeyes do something again here soon. Thanks again, Trent, for talking to us. We'll be back with you soon. Appreciate it. Thanks for your time, Nate. Big thanks to Spencer McLaughlin for joining us here from Locked On Pack 12 to give us him thoughts from the boots on the ground side over in California between the Pac-12 and the Big Ten and everything going on with the UC board. We'll see what ends up happening in that, what's turning into fiasco, I guess, as we talked about. It's still looking like, of course, UCLA is going to be a Big Ten team. That does not seem like it's going to change. We'll see if there is any sort of big surprise and have it covered for you, of course, here on Locked On Big Ten. Before we leave today, though, coming up in just a second, we're going to talk to Trent Condon from Locked On Hawkeyes. His team has itself a new quarterback. It could be going through some coaching changes over the offseason, too. What does Kirk Ferentz mean exactly, saying he's going to evaluate things within his staff and how things operate? We're going to talk to all of that with Trent in just a minute. But before we get to any of that, Omaha Steaks is the perfect gift for the holiday season. If you've got that person that has everything, you can get them a great steak because that's not something they'll always have, of course, and everyone love good, loves good food. Omaha Steaks is the perfect place to go if you're someone like me. I go over to Omaha Steaks because I'm not a food expert. I don't really know what's great. I don't know what to put together to make a great dish for someone, or if I'm trying to put together a gift like this, something unique, something that's really thoughtful and also, of course, tastes great too, I would have no idea where to start. But at Omaha Steaks, it's real easy. You just head on over to the website, look it through their menu and options of things to buy. You can buy it as a gift for somebody too, if you want to do that for the holiday season and make sure that it heads to them by the holidays and also 
without having to leave the comfort of your couch, which is just an added bonus. Omaha Steaks, make sure you're getting quality steaks to the people that you love for a gift this holiday season or at any other time too. You can do it by heading over to their website. It's omahasteaks.com. Omaha Steaks have put together a delicious selection of various gift packages to make shopping for the ones you love nice and easy. Go to omahasteaks.com and take advantage of 50% off site-wide, plus use code LOCKEDON at checkout to get an additional 40% off your order. Visit omahasteaks.com, take advantage of 50% off site-wide, plus use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to get that extra $40 off your order too. 50% off plus $40 off your order. Minimum order may be required. It's omahasteaks.com and promo code locked on. All right, let's talk to Trent about what's going on with Iowa football. Kirk Ferentz has some decisions to make, and he has a new quarterback to play around with too. Let's get into things with Trent. Hey, tuned in to Locked On Big Ten, joined by Spencer McLaughlin of Locked On Pac-12. I'm Nate Dickinson. We're going to talk a little bit about the UC Board of Regents because they're back again meeting after a meeting last month that didn't give us any real results regarding UCLA's move to the conference. But Spencer, I want to hear from you as they get ready to meet again here today. And we're told this will be the one that decides whatever they're going to do here regarding UCLA. Where are things, at least from where you see them uh, right now with the conference, the school, the board in this whole situation? Well, the the emergence of the UC Board of Regents as a player in in this realignment conversation has been, you know, muted at times, a little bit louder at at other times. But overall, there's still a widely held expectation that UCLA is going to be allowed to move. But the, the discussion amongst the UC Board of Regents, which I believe is chaired by Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, they have been looking at whether or not they are able, as in do they have the power to stop UCLA from leaving. And the the sense that we get without having been inside those meeting rooms is that they would like to force UCLA to stay because of long-standing arrangements. It would certainly be in the best interest of the conference to to have that happen and only lose USC. But the suspicion is that they don't have the authority to do that. What what they're looking at is there has been a, a long, long history of the UC schools operating very much together, specifically UCLA and Cal. And you don't think of those schools as being tied normally because it's UCLA and it's Cal, but Cal is actually UC Berkeley. And so they have an arrangement. There are a bunch of details that that people can look up. I don't need to bore you with, with regards to the academic and athletic cooperation that they'd agreed to there and the uc board of regents basically is poking their head around and saying is ucla in violation of this is ucla doing anything that is express expressly prohibited under these agreements that they were a part of in the past it looks like they don't have the authority to stop the move but they were certainly looking at it if I had to put a fine number on it right now, Nate, I'd say it's still over a 90% chance that UCLA joins the Big Ten. 
But when the announcement was made and it was approved by the school and the conference, it was 100 percent. So it, you know, it, 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 it prized the door open, but it is not opening the floodgates by by any means at this point in time, unless this meeting yields something. But that's not our expectation going into it. What happens next if we end up hearing the UC board say, hey, no, you can't go to the Big Ten? Where does this go after this? Well, UCLA would likely appeal because the, the desire for the Bruins to get to the Big Ten, I, I think, is pretty clear for a couple of reasons. Chip Kelly expressed his support for it a few weeks ago in a media availability saying, you know, that he thought it was a better opportunity for the student athletes at, at UCLA to get more exposure because the Pac-12's media deal is, you know, uh, being renegotiated for 2024 and beyond and such. But the current one they're under doesn't allow for as much visibility. So he expressed support for it on that front. But the other thing too, Nate, is the, the money is the biggest thing that's driving all this. I don't think there's, you know, really any question about that. And that's especially true for UCLA that has over the last several years racked up quite a bit of debt within its athletic department. And I think they look at, you know, this significant influx of, of money that they will be getting in the Big Ten and their new media rights deal, which is incredibly lucrative. And they say that that's probably, you know, I'm they haven't actually said this. I'm just, you know, speaking for them, quote unquote, in such tongue in cheek. They're thinking most likely that that is a way for them to start to pay that back a bit and start to close that gap and get back to breaking even as as an athletic department. So I, I think that's their you know biggest desire because USC initiated the move to the Big Ten and UCLA hopped along for the ride. And I think the Bruins are very happy to be on that train, but they were not looking at this as strongly as USC was. And then the Trojans said, well, if we're going to go, we don't want to split the LA TV market. Let's go present a united front to the Big Ten as an option. That, of course, went through, and, and we all know how, how it's gone since then. I think the desire for UCLA, I, I think there are you know, probably a few alumni and maybe even some players and coaches who'd rather stay in the Pac-12 in that footprint. But there is not a, a groundswell enough of support to stop them from going, though the UC Board of Regents is looking at it and may try. I, I do not expect there to be a sudden late surge that that prevents UCLA from getting into the Big Ten like they've expressed they want to. So, Spencer, is we, I think you've said, I think there's an agreement uh, that right now, at least, it's still overwhelmingly likely that the Big Ten is going to be, of course, still getting UCLA along with USC. So yeah. what are the other options that the board can get out of this if they're just going to try and, I mean, we've heard things about potentially trying to get UCLA to split some of that money with Cal that it's going to get from the Big Ten. We've talked about maybe just sanctions and fees on them leaving so they can try and get something while UCLA is on the way out. Are we looking at some a situation where we're going to try and see at least them try and grab whatever it is they can if they have accepted that the odds of actually getting them to stay are pretty slim. Yeah, and they, I, I think that that's likely that they're going to at least try because they 
at some level feel wronged by UCLA. They feel like the Bruins as an institution went back on their word a little bit. They threw the Pac-12 into influx, but they threw the UC system in into influx as well. And it's not just those two schools. They're the highest caliber ones, UCLA and Cal, that is, at the Power 5 level. But there's UC Irvine, there's UC Davis, there's UC Santa Barbara. There are a number of schools that are under that, that UC school system label. And those two, because they've both been in the pack for so long, formerly the pack eight, then 10, now 12, going back to 10 pending whatever expansion opportunities are there, of which there are a lot of different ways George Klyovkov, the commissioner, could go. I think if you're the UC Board of Regents, they're trying to represent Cal in, in, in this parting of ways, and they're trying to get Cal as much as they possibly can. The legal jargon that will allow or not allow for that to take place, I'm not going to pretend to be an, an expert on because it's all tremendously complicated and I don't even know all the facts of that situation. I don't think anybody can except for the lawyers that are working on the, on this stuff. So I, I would expect the the Board of Regents to to look at what's going on and say, well, if if we're not able to keep UCLA, which they're probably not, then is UCLA going to compensate Cal? in some way for just going back on on that partnership and arrangement and I, I think that's kind of their their responsibility because they're trying to look out for the best interests of the uc school system they don't feel that a move to the big 10 by its its most well-known athletics brand in ucla is doing that and so it would make a lot of sense for them to come to the table and you know try to find a a, a legal avenue to say hey you're going to leave and you're going to get more money, but you're going to give some of that to, to us and you're going to give some of that to, to Cal specifically. Whether or not they're able to is, you know, something that will get worked out in the fine print here in, in probably the next few weeks. Spencer McLaughlin here with Locked On Pac-12 helping us out and trying to figure out what's going on at these meetings. <laughs> uh, Spencer, one more time before we let you go. What do you think is the most likely outcome, at least, of this meeting that's happening right now? And can you be at all confident in whatever that is? Just because in all the reading and stuff I've done, all I've been able to really learn is that they are in fact meeting. Yeah, and th they've met a couple of times on on this matter. I think this is this is at least the second, if not the third time they've convened to discuss what their potential plans of action might be. I, I feel pretty confident about their inability to stop UCLA from going to the Big Ten. And then when you combine that with you know the the seeming seemingly overwhelming support that UCLA has within the university to make this conference jump it seems like the most likely outcome here it's not the only one but i'd be a hard if i were to tell you to bet on a particular side it would be on UCLA being allowed to move and maybe they have to kick back some cash to the UC system and and to Cal in the process but I think that that's something that'll still be end up uh, end up being worth it for for UCLA at the end of the day because of the the long term financial outlook of going to the Big Ten is is so much higher. The costs are higher as well, but the increased amount of money that you bring in will, will far outweigh every year what you have to in uh, what you have to endure from uh, an increased cost standpoint, right? Because kids and teams are, are traveling further and that gets uh, more expensive and such, but it'll be small potatoes compared to the tens of millions that you're going to get in additional media rights revenue 
moving to the Big Ten. So I, I'd expect UCLA to end up there. And, you know, though I'm, though I'm hoping that they are required to stay in, in the pack because that would be better for the league, I, I do not suspect that that that'll come to fruition. Hopefully we learn a little bit more, at least here today after they meet this afternoon. Spencer McLaughlin again with the Locked On Pack 12. Every single weekday, you can stay up to date on what's going on with that conference. Same way you do here on Locked On Big Ten. Follow them on wherever you get your podcasts, on YouTube and on Twitter, too. It's all that kind of stuff. Again, where is it people can find all that, Spencer, before we let you go? Yeah, my, my personal handle is at smalls underscore 55 on Twitter, but Locked On Pack 12 is on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts Monday through Friday. It's at LO underscore Pack 12 on Twitter and always happy to come on and talk some realignment stuff, even if it's, uh, you know, not the most optimistic news for the uh, the league that I cover. Yeah, we'll be sure to get back on here, Spencer, soon. I have no doubt that there's going to be some sort of news and reason to get you back in here. Fingers, fingers crossed that I was wrong that I was wrong for this entire, this entire segment. I don't I'm not hopeful on that front, but I, you know, a boy can dream. <laughs> Thanks, Spencer. We'll talk to you soon. See ya. Thanks again to Trent Condon for joining us here and talking Iowa football with us on Locked On Big Ten. Before we finish up the show today, a reminder that today's episode is brought to you in part by Built Bar. Built Bar is always coming out with great new flavors that if you've tried them before, you're probably already hooked on. Some of these ones that they have now, though, especially appetizing. I'm talking about cookie dough topper, a coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper, too. New flavors from the Built Bars that you've always come to love if you've been listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, of course. And as always, you can get 15% off your order if you head on over to Built.com and use our promo code LOCKEDON15. It's different from if you've been listening a while back. There's an on in there now. LOCKEDON15 at Built.com for 15% off your order. It's Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go on over to the website and try it out right now. I promise you, you're going to love how these things taste and how good they are for you. All right, let's wrap up the program today by, of course, getting you our look at the Big Ten schedule for the day. All sorts of games going on in women's and men's basketball. The two on the men's side, Arkansas Pine Bluff plays against Minnesota later tonight. That's a little bit of a sideshow for a main event matchup. Number 16, UCLA against number 20, Maryland on the hardwood. Top 25 matchup here as the Big Ten non-conference schedule continues and gets pretty close to wrapping up here now as we're getting ready to get into the new year. That's the matchup that will be on the marquee for the Big Ten here this evening. All sorts of other stuff going on around the Big Ten, including some big recruiting news. Over the last few days, a whole bunch of names making their commitments known and a lot of them to the Big Ten. Uh, One of them being number four star Lincoln Klenholtz. He is committed to Ohio State. Quarterback out of South Dakota chooses the Buckeyes. Wisconsin got a few different commitments over the last couple of days. One of them being four star athlete Braden Moore. He's again listed as an athlete. We'll see where he ends up getting used. And three-star tight end Tucker Ashcraft. They both commit to Wisconsin. Ashcraft, 6'5", 235 out of Seattle. A three-star defensive lineman Mason Robinson has committed to Penn State. He comes out of Maryland. And unranked safety Tyreek McDaniel has committed to Indiana. Bigger safety, 6'1", out of Kansas. Finally, three-star wide receiver Colin Dixon committed to Illinois. He comes out of Ohio. That's a look at everything going on in the Big Ten. Of course, big game on the hardwood between Maryland and UCLA tonight. And then later on, 
We'll have, of course, more for you here on Locked On Big Ten as we continue our coverage throughout the week. Bowl season starts up later this week. Big Ten doesn't have a bowl game till after Christmas, though, so we're still mainly basketball here for at least a little bit longer. We'll have more for you next time here on Locked On Big Ten. Until tomorrow, be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts, on YouTube and on Twitter. It's all Locked On Big Ten, one zero at the end when you're typing it out, not T-E-N. I'm Nate Dickinson, at Nate with Sports. We'll talk to you tomorrow.